Like I was telling somebody this week, I think our church is in trouble. Well, let me me rephrase that or say it a different way. I think we're in trouble. Let me tell you why. I have a friend. I actually have two friends, but I was speaking to one of them this past week. It's the dress. Anyway, she is a Methodist minister. She is a colleague of mine. She is a mentor of mine. And I hadn't spoken to her in a couple of years, so I wanted to touch base with her, see how she was doing. And in our conversation, she asked me, John, you know I'm moving, right? I'm moving churches come annual conference. And so I asked her, was she okay with that? Was that a good deal? Was everything fine? She goes, yeah, it's fine. I had to tell my district superintendent, either I get moved or I was going to have to retire, or the church was going to kill me. And I told her, well, <laughs> amen, sister. I can tell you some stories, right? Well, we talk about them churches. She goes, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I meant that I couldn't handle the church anymore. I will preach it, sister, because, you know, sometimes... Anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I mean, John. In the years that I've been there, about four or five years... We've gone from being a small family church to a church that has welcomed over 150 new members. We've gone from one Sunday service to three Sunday services. We've gone from having one class that sort of incorporated everybody who happened to show up to making sure we have classes for our youth, for our older adults, for our married couples, and we have things going on through the week that we never could imagine. I just can't keep up with it physically, even emotionally. It's just too much for me. And she's telling me all this, and I'm thinking, oh, I can keep up. (laughs) Sign me up. And this is why I think we're in trouble, friends, because I don't know if you've realized this in the last couple years or not. It doesn't take much to get me going. Okay? It doesn't take that much to get me excited about too much of anything. And so as I'm speaking to her, I'm getting motivated. I'm getting inspired because, like I told her, there is no reason in my mind why a place called Oak Haven. You ever heard of Oak Haven? They say there, a church family prayerfully united by the Holy Spirit, boldly committed to sharing new life in Jesus Christ. You ever heard of them guys? Well, there's no reason in my mind why that church couldn't experience the same kind of growth as my one friend's church, has and is experiencing. Y'all with me? No reason in my mind. And so I'm talking to her. We were on the phone about an hour. And if you know me, I don't like to talk on the phone too much. But I didn't even feel we're just talking. So I'm sharing with her, well, I think this, we could do this, and we have the opportunity for this here, and we're going on. And then finally she goes, all right, John, let's stop for a second. And it's so great to have people in your life that, that, that are able to do this and that are willing to do it. John, stop. I know you know, but I want to make sure you know where all of that started. Do you know where it all started? With what it all started? She said, John, it all starts with the spiritual stuff. That was her word. You know, we create places and opportunities for people to come and to feed the spiritual life that they need. Our Sunday schools are real places where they can come and discuss the real issues of faith. 
We have places, we have times during the week where people can go to find out how others are dealing with their life as well so that together we can grow spiritually. Together we can live in this life together. In the end, I'll rephrase what she said, and I think she'd be okay with that. The spiritual stuff, it all begins with prayer. Say that with me. It all begins with prayer. It always begins with prayer. Y'all with me? It's in my mind, I think, that as we read from this uh, part of Acts, where Paul has this vision, that it began with prayer there as well. See, Paul is out with his apostle buddies, and he has this vision of this man crying out to him, come and help us. And Paul shares this vision, or this dream, if you remember what we talked about last week, sharing that dream. And, And Paul shares it in the group they decide that this is part of God's calling for them to go to this place. And so they make their way and they go. And I love what Luke tells us. There's a couple of uh, exegetical tidbits for you to take out. I think if you can learn to see them in the writing, you can, it helps your Bible study and helps how you can take more from this story. The beginning of the passage of the entire chapter, or in many cases also, Luke uses sort of third-person writing where he's talking about a situation that happened. And then he automatically goes into the first person, like today, where it's, we did this, and we were here. And this is one of those cases where Luke included, apparently, they went to this place. It says that they had been there for a couple days, and then they went to go look for a place where they supposed a place of what? Prayer was. Place of prayer. Now, that tells us, that they didn't have a a formal place. They were looking for somewhere to be. There was no building or anything like that. And so where did they find this place? Down by the river, right? At the river, right? They go to this river. Now, let's be fair. They go to this river, and they find this group of women. To be fair, maybe had they gone just a little bit farther... Maybe they would have found a group of men praying together. Y'all with me? Maybe. That's not such a crazy idea, is it? God, I hope not. But they came across this group of women, presumably praying or in some sort of act of worship. And Paul begins to speak to them, presumably again, about our, resur- our resurrected Jesus and about what that means. And among this group of women, there is a certain woman by the name of Lydia. We don't know too much about Lydia, but we know a couple things that at least help us just a little bit understand the importance of this story. First, we know that she was among this group, obviously. And what's so impressive about this group to me is this. I've known a lot of women in the church who have committed themselves to Christ, loved God, loved their church, loved everything about their church. And one thing I've always found interesting is when someone gets a chance to speak about those women, either at their death, maybe, or at some other type of recognition, or even just in general conversation, a common theme that no matter who it is is speaking, no matter who it is they're talking about, no matter where they're from, no matter which church it's been, there's always been something that's been said in one way or another about this, this particular woman, whoever it might be. And it always comes back to the speaker's assurance that that woman 
prayed. And many times that woman prayed for me. Especially on a day like today where we talk about Mother's Day, I think that's a, a thing we need to thank God for, that there are women, presumably men as well, who love God and love the people in their church, that they can be known as people who will and who do pray. Thank God for those kinds of women. Thank God for a woman like Lydia. We can assume a couple things else about Lydia. One, she was well off. The way Luke describes her, she has her own household with no affiliation to any one person other than herself, her and her household. That's a pretty big deal. She's a dealer in purple cloth, which means, uh, to real basically, she was okay. She, she had money. She was taken care of. And as she hears Paul explain about the risen Christ, she comes to believe that. And how does she respond to that? She invited all of them to go to her home. Now, understand and remember that our ancient brothers and sisters, they didn't have padded pews, did they? They didn't have church buildings, two-story church buildings, did they? They didn't have gymnasiums to do fellowship dinners, did they? They didn't have sound equipment or video boards, did they? They met at somebody's house have church. So actually what we read here, what we are experiencing is the very first church in this area. And friends, if you're paying attention, it all began with prayer. Because it always begins with prayer. Now prayer is one of those funny things. I know a lot of people talk about prayer. But I have to wonder and I have to think if a lot of people actually get it. A lot of people actually understand or really put their effort into it. Now, I know this sounds critical, but don't take it critical. Take it for what it is. If our prayer life consists of thank you, Jesus, for this food, we might be missing something. Or even if our prayer world, everything we pray for is God, do this. Or God, help me. God, answer me. God, listen to me. God, now! (laughs) We might be missing something. Friends, even if you pray more with me on a Sunday morning than you pray with your family, with your spouse, or with your children, or with your loved ones, people you take care of, you might be missing something. Friends, there's a video I love. I've had it for several years. It's so powerful for me for a lot of reasons. And it, some of the calculations are a little off, but I wanted to at least share with you the basis of it. If you've seen it, you just follow along with me. It starts off by indicating that the average person, we're speaking of averages, aren't we, lives 77 years. So if you're more than that, you're above average. Yay, God, right? Amen. The average person lives 77 years. That's 28,000 days, 670,000 hours, 40 million minutes. No wonder some of us are so tired. (laughs) And in those 77 years, the average person apparently spends 26 minutes a day getting themselves dressed. 
That's 13 hours a month, just less than seven days a year, a whole year in a lifetime dressing yourself. The average person spends 40 minutes a day on the telephone. That's 20 hours a month, 10 days a year, two years in a lifetime on the telephone. Now, let's not point fingers or make assumptions, but the average person spends an hour a day in the bathroom. That's 30 hours a month, 15 days a year, just less than three years of a lifetime in the bathroom. The average person spends two and a half hours a day online, and to that I say, please. That equals 75 hours a month, just less than 38 days a year just being online. The average person spends less than five minutes a day praying. That's less than three hours a month. That's less than a day out of the year. That's less than three months in a lifetime. If any of that is even at least half accurate, is it any wonder then why our churches are struggling so much? Is it any wonder then why our families are so broken? Is it any wonder then why our young people have no regard or care for anything that has to do with God? Is it any wonder then why we can't find peace with ourselves, much less peace with other people? It shouldn't be any wonder then if any, if any of that is even remotely true. Because what we've done, we've worried too much about what we wear. We've thought more about Sprint and AT&T, Charmin and the Internet than we have the God of the universe. Y'all with me? I love the way the video ends. It gives you all these calculations. And then it ends with the final charge. You do the math. You add it all up. And you tell us why things are the way they are. What I want to know is what would happen if you and I could commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to pray like we really believed what we were praying for and to live out what we are praying for. What would happen then? I think one thing, we might be surprised. In Paul's vision, there's this man screaming out to him, come help us, come help us. And Paul and the apostles, they respond and they go to the place. Now, maybe Paul helps the man, right? Maybe Paul addresses him and finds him. Who knows? But we don't know. What do we know, though? That somebody named Lydia comes to faith in Christ, starts the first church. So that maybe, in a way, Paul and all the other disciples are totally surprised by what's going on. I thought we were coming to some man who's been yelling for us. But here's Lydia. See, we can pray and we can pray and we can pray, but don't be surprised by God. Know that God is working in this world, in your life, in ways that we don't always understand. That yes, you may be praying diligently and faithfully for something, but that may not be what God is working out right now. doesn't mean God isn't working. It just might mean you're in for a surprise. You might come to know a Lydia.
you might be starting a first church somewhere. You might be doing things you never imagined yourself doing. But friends, I got to tell you, it always begins with prayer. What does our church need to pray for? What kind of things do we need to be in prayer together for to make happen here and in our communities? What about you? What is it you are in prayer for as you sit there? What is it that your faith needs, your life needs? What is it that your soul, your soul longs most from? From God. Whatever, friends, whatever it is, it always begins with prayer. What I say, friends, is that we commit ourselves and we recommit ourselves to finding those places down by the riverside to be in prayer together. And maybe it is a group of women. And I say praise God for a group of women who pray together. Amen? Amen. Because 77 years, that's a lot of teas. They're going to need prayer, aren't they? And what if it's not a group of women? What if it's a group of men? Hey, they got a lot of hams to smoke too, don't they? We need some prayer. We need men and women who will stop arguing, who will stop complaining, and will tell God, will ask God, will seek what God is calling the community to be. Down by the riverside. Because, friends, it always begins with prayer. Would you pray with me? Loving God, in you we have all of our being. In your love we are who we are. By your strength we do your work. By your spirit we become your people. So God, teach us this day, perhaps in a new way or in a renewed way, who you are. Teach us, God, that everything you call us to be, everything you call us to do, the things that you are preparing for us, it always begins with prayer. So, God, teach us to connect. Teach us, God, to focus on you and to offer to you our lives in prayer. And together as your people, we pray together. Amen.